Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure. Well, welcome to Better Roads. Of course, this is where we talk about the various roads that we travel on in life. And uh, I'm very look, very excited, looking forward to this conversation today with Gary Kahn, who is the pastor of Desert Streams Open Bible Church. And God's been doing some new things in him that we're going to explore today. Gary, welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm honored. Now, now, you graduated from Bible college in 1990. Mm-hmm. And here's here's the information I have on you. You got married the week after that, and then you became a youth pastor the week after that. You really know how to pack the changes in, man. <laughs> yes, it was it was quite a whirlwind. I got to tell you, but um, I, somehow we made it through. You did, but but you really you really slowed down the change thing after that because now. You've been serving at the same church, Desert Streams, Church of the Open Bible in Santa Clarita, California, for more than, what, 31 years? You've been a lead pastor since 1999. Uh, yeah. uh, you really got this change thing taken care of then, didn't you? Uh, what prompted <laughs> you to stay so long in one place after all those changes to begin oh, with? Oh, my goodness. You know, honestly, uh, we there's so many stories behind that, but uh, I would say that when I decided to go to Desert Streams, I was in—I was still at uh, Bible College, and um, I actually had four offers to be at four different churches, and Desert Streams was the last one on my list, and was not the place I wanted to go. Um, but yet, it, it, I tell people that it was a burning bush experience. It was one of those <laughs> moments where. All Everything right. else paled and God just spoke in such a way that I knew the desert streams was the place that God was calling me to. And um, I can just real quickly, it was like in the moment that God said it to me, I had a picture of people marching across my mind. Really? I saw faces. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, I've seen those faces in the 30 years that I have uh, oh, been man. pastoring there. Yeah. So beautiful. I just knew. And then um, I, I really love change. I do, to be honest with you, I know it doesn't seem that way, but I love change. And um, we've, we, we, we have the standing joke that there's a letter of resignation on my computer that, uh, you know, every time you pull it up, the date changes to today's date. Um, but in the midst of all of it, uh, be, beyond the, I want to quit or the offers that have come in through the years, the reason I've stayed is because I live by the maxim that until God gives me another burning bush experience, I'm going to stay where I know he called me until he calls me somewhere else. That's excellent. But there are changes nonetheless taking place with you because uh, I know that you have something rolling now out of desert streams about a church plant. Tell us about that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, I'm uh, I'm excited because I've, I've always felt for a long time that God's called us to to be sort of a church planting church and um, wanting to do that over the years. I'm always looking for someone who would go plant to do all those things and and wanting to do it in a specific kind of way, um, but never seem to be able to to get that done. 
and and even when I'm, I'm like, God, send me a church planter. I'm looking for one. I'm asking the questions. Never seem to get it. And then when COVID hit, I remember working out one day with one of the guys from church, and we were talking about this whole idea about man, it's been years we've wanted to plant, and we just can't seem to get anything out of it. And um, and and we started talking about giftings. And, and one of the things that I've always said is that I've always felt like pastoring was not necessarily my primary office gift. I, I really feel I'm more on the apostolic prophetic side. Mm-hmm. And so the, the guy I'm working out with said, hey, have you ever thought about the fact that maybe why we've never been able to plant is because you're the one that should go start the church and not ascend the people Uh, and i had that i just remember stopping and just standing there for a good two minutes just like wait a second Mm -hmm. that just that just kind of resonated with me so based on that we literally started the process of we are going to plant but instead of ascending and as me the senior pastor sending someone I am literally going to act in my gifting and go and start a new location. And, uh, and then from there, put somebody in place and then go start another location and put somebody in place and go start another location. So (laughs) that's outside the box. That is not what the normal process is for this. Usually the lead pastor is sending somebody else, but God said, we're going to pull a reverse on this. Yes. It's been, it's been an interesting uh, thing because, because again, uh, there's so many pieces where people have a certain way of looking at things so that when you say, okay, I'm going to still pass their desert streams, but I'm going to be the one starting the new location. There was a lot of mindsets and changes we had to work through with the board, with the leaders for them to grasp that idea. So, and it's still something we're working through and trying to figure out all the details. So is it uh, all excitement? Any apprehension? What 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 kind of rolls through you? To be honest, I think there's more excitement than apprehension, and right. I guess the reason is because of the same thing with this idea of a burning bush experience is that you, you catch the sense of God saying something to you, and I, I live in the premise that um, the safest place to be is in God's will. Mm-hmm. You know, the safest place to be is doing what God's called you to do. And I feel this sense of this is something that God is in it. That it is, this is this is the direction to move in. So we are definitely, I feel excited more than apprehensive. That's great. So, uh, and I'm excited for you and hearing about your excitement about that. So, so you've been at this church for 31 years and, you know, lead pastor all that time as you obviously you have opportunity now to reflect because there's going to be some shifts and changes take place as, as you look back retrospectively over all those years, Gary, what do you believe has been your most important contribution or among your most important contributions during that time? You know, that's uh, it's kind of a difficult question. Putting you on the spot. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a difficult question because I think of all the things I want to accomplish that I haven't accomplished, you know? And so you think, oh man, what really have I done? You know, that that is, uh, I'll tell you where I'm going to land on it is that 
the change of mentality where I think that when I, I inherited the church, when, when I became the senior pastor, although we were an old Bible church, we weren't really, I wouldn't say we, my mom would say we were undercover Pentecostal, you know, <laughs> that uh, we believe in all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and those things, but it, it was more something that was a mental ascent rather than a common practice. Um, mm. I think over the years, and that's taken a long time, but over the years, we've gone from the place of just saying, Hey, we believe these things to actually mobilizing the believers to live in that dimension. And, and again, when I say charismatic, I'm not simply speaking about speaking in tongues, but just the idea of walking in step with the Holy Spirit, not just inside the church, but really that the gifts of the Spirit are for the furthering of the mission to multiply Christ followers everywhere. So mm -hmm. for me, one of the greatest achievements that I feel that I've been able to do with Desert Streams is that now it's not uncommon to hear the stories of someone saying, I was in the grocery line at um, Trader Joe's and I felt the Holy Spirit asked me to pray because the person in front of me was sad. And so they say, you know, excuse me, blah, blah, blah. They pray for them. Mm -hmm. Something amazing happens or, right. you know, so it's that mobilization of people, not just inside the church of, hey, man, here are the gifts of the Spirit being evident but that it's being used for the furthering of the, the mission of God to, you know, go tell the good news. That's a great point of fulfillment for you. Well, what I hear you saying is I'm not so interested in the labels. I want the real thing. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. to me, it's a mark of your leadership. Also, Gary, that, that when you're asked the question, uh, conscientious leaders first think about, Oh man, what all the things I haven't done, you know, you know, I, I appreciate that about you because that's your starting. It means you're conscientious, but to be able to say, this is an area that you could say, God anchored us in mm -hmm. terms of walking out what the word says in the spirit, man, that's beautiful. So you, you, you've been, You've seen that change taking place in the church. And the thing mm -hmm. we want to talk about also today is there are other changes that God has been doing in you. There's an, a growing area of influence for you as you begin discovering another area that you knew was in you, but God has been sort of unpacking that. And that is writing. And, um, you know, we were talking earlier. <clears throat> I've written some of your stuff. And you're good, Gary. So share that. with us how that gift has become more prominent. What, what's that process like for you? Well, you know, honestly, this is this is um, a really interesting journey for me is that I just have a bucket list item. I always have on my bucket list item. I wanted to write. OK, I want to write, you know, I at least want to write one book. Um, and um, the, the problem is over the years, every time I sit down to write, I would say anything that I want to write about, somebody smarter has said it better than I have. So it's like, what am I going to what do I bring to the table that's going to be so I've never I've always said I want to write, but you know, I don't have anything that Jack Hayford hasn't said better than me or, you know, Max Lucado, who's one of my favorite writers, hasn't yeah. said better than me. Or um, Is it Lucado or Lucado? I don't uh, know. Yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, I think it's Lucado. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then along came COVID. 
and we were kind of, you know, we found ourselves in the home and, 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 and this, I, I did a lot of recording musically because that's something I enjoy. And I did a lot of stuff with video for the church, but still having this sense of man, I, I, there's this creative side that I wanted to let out. And I felt like the Holy spirit say to me, and again, this sounds really funny at some points when I say this, but I just felt like God gave me a directive to write. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I guess I will. Um, and so then I, I kind of thought through, I had about four or five different ideas of things I wanted to write on and ended up writing on this particular subject. Uh, well, actually, I didn't even start there. I wrote two devotionals and I just, I wrote the devotionals originally for the church, but then I, I self-published them. I put I figured out how to do this whole Amazon Kindle oh, thing. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and and I wrote them and I put them on Amazon and I was surprised that they sold more than 10 copies, you know, because <laughs> 10 people I know I could force 10 people to buy, you know, and I call my mom and say, Hey, listen, mom, you got to buy it. I'm not sending it to you free. You how know? many did you uh, buy then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I told her to buy all 10. Yeah. So that way I could take care of it, you know, but, they actually, you know, people bought them and I got really good responses from them. And so then from there, I started into, I launched into writing what ended up being like a 55, 60,000 word um, book. And, um, and, and so that's how it started. It started simply with God saying, I want you to write. So take the next step and start writing. So that's fascinating because it wasn't like God said, here's what I want you to write about, Gary. Right. I want you to write. And then he gave you a lot of latitude. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So that's probably encouraging to someone else today who maybe feels this nudge or this urge by the Lord and maybe feel like, well, until God gives me that specific thing, I don't know how to begin. But you you allow the Lord to just kind of nudge you additionally, but then you, you just got out of the waters and started swimming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as, as a thing I, I learned also about you is that in the, this process, you uh, in writing, you took the extra effort to list, uh, solicit feedback. And a lot of people would be afraid to do that, frankly. I mean, you know, you're pretty safe with your mom with the book, you know, but, but to ask somebody else to give you feedback and advice, how'd that go and how did that input affect you and your decisions before i answer that i have to tell you that uh i'm probably not that safe with my mom (laughs) 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 so i i wrote this devotional called greater and it's the one that i just released in, in on amazon and i sent a copy to my mom and I said, mom, can you read it? And just, you know, so she, so she read it. It's already published, you know, it's, it's sitting there. She read it and she calls me up the other day and she goes, all right, it's good, but let's talk about what you left out. <laughs> but it's the but that's coming in that. Huh? <laughs> so maybe a lot of people, I don't want to send it to mom anymore. <laughs> just find somebody easier. huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, actually I wrote, so, so, So I did, I said yes to God and I wrote the book. It took me about six months. I wrote everything out. I just, I got up and I wrote and and, and I came up with the general book within a six month frame. And then I was done. And when I had finished the last chapter, 
I closed my computer on that book and I did nothing with it for the next four months because I felt like I had done what God had told me to do, which uh-huh. was go write a book and go write yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. I did. All right. Fine. I didn't have any delusions of that God was saying, go write a book because I'm going to publish it and make you a best-selling author. It was simply God teaching me to say yes to what was the next step. So I wrote it, I put it down. I didn't feel any compunction to do anything else with it. But then about four months into it, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me and say, okay, now it's time for you to do something else with it. I, I didn't know what to do. So I, I know Andrea, I've worked with Andrea a little bit uh, with the message and I've written Johnson. a couple articles. Yeah, Andrea, Andrea Johnson, Johnson was the editor of the message, yes. Okay. And she had worked with me on a couple articles that I had written for the message. And so I thought, okay, I'll call Andrea and ask her, you know, hey, I have this book. What do you do? So I call Andrea and I said, hey, I, I, I wrote this book. What should I do next? Because I have no idea. And I just feel this sense that the Holy Spirit says it's time to take the next step. But I don't know what the next step is. Mm-hmm. So Andrea says, well, Gary, you should probably have someone edit it. So I said, OK, um, you're an editor. Do you want to edit it? And, and I, we talked about what the price would be. And, and she says, well, you know, it would cost X amount. And when she told me, I was like, whew, well, I didn't know this was going to cost me money like that. So I said to Andrea, I said, Andrea, um, without insulting you, how about how much would it cost for you just to read the book and tell me if it's worth even getting edited? <laughs> you know, and, and she, she You're was smooth, really, Gary. You're really smooth. <laughs> She was really gracious. She says, Gary, send me the book. I'll take a look at it. And so she read through it and not to edit it, but simply just to read it for, you know, some people think they have a masterpiece and it's like, oh dear, (laughs) you know? And so I I wanted somebody to be honest with me, someone who is versed in the area of writing. And so she read it. And I will tell you that this was probably up to this day, I tell her this all the time that I don't care if the book ever gets published. As far as I'm concerned, her response to me is something I go back and read very often. She um, she wrote me back and said, Gary, I just read this and I was just blown away. This was so well done. And it's something that needs to be followed up on. Uh-huh. I, I thought I hit the jackpot, to be yeah, honest with you, yeah. that someone who understands writing and someone right. who works in the field would say that. I thought, great. Okay. My work here is done. That's what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do. Um, And then she encouraged me to get it edited. So um, uh, we talked with her. I talked with her. She gave me a couple of other people who would. And so I talked with them. And the next step was going to be that I would have someone edit the book and edit for content, edit for, um, you know, sentence structure, edit for punctuation, spelling, all those different kinds of things. So that was the next step is I just, and I also um, asked the, the help of a, a vineyard pastor, a friend of mine who used to work for Disney as a copy editor. So he was also, you know, fairly, I asked my daughter who is a really good writer and probably my, my biggest critic. So <laughs> I asked her to read it and to give me, that was the hardest one to take from my daughter. <clears throat> and then I had Gary Hebden. I asked, and I asked one other person, I asked people who I was thinking the audience of the book as well. So I, I simply 
there were like five or six people that I sent it to and I asked them, would you read this and tell me what you think and be brutally honest? I don't mm-hmm. want you to say, oh, it's nice when you're thinking, oh, my yeah, well, Lord, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and they were they were pretty they were pretty honest. And there were sometimes it was a little difficult to handle. Because you know, I mean, this is this is you're 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 opening up your insides a little bit. Sure, you are. You're making yourself but, vulnerable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I was more um, I was more committed to if I'm going to do this, I want to do it well, and I'm not an expert at this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask people who I know know what they're doing to uh, to give me advice. So, so that's you, you, kinda, have to, you have to be pretty secure in yourself to do that. You, you, you stuck your chin out there. Yes, I did. did. So I'm holding this book in my hand called Greater. Don't mm-hmm. settle for good when there's greater. Mm-hmm. Is that the book we're talking about? No, that's not the one we're talking well, about. Well, then you know what? Tell us what books you have written. Uh, <laughs> I just got this copy of this, Greater. Don't settle for good when there's greater. What other things have you written? Um, so when COVID started, I had written nothing and then the Holy Spirit just kind of prompted me. So the first thing I wrote was a devotional that came out last year, again, came out self-published, but, um, Mm -hmm. that was, you're not getting Christmas Corona. And it was all this idea of, Hey, we've had the worst year of our lives with this whole Corona and I'm not going to let Corona spoil my Christmas celebration. And so it was all a book about savoring and enjoying Jesus in the season. So that came out, uh, in December. And then in January of 2021, so about a month later, I'd worked on both of them separately. Um, I I wrote a devotional for our 28 days of prayer and fasting that we do with our church, and it was a book called Reset. Um, And it was about, okay, here was I thinking that, you know, Corona was over and we were resetting for a new, uh, (laughs) but um, the the book was called Reset, and, and that's more really a fill in the blank kind of it's a a devotional where it's really you're reading it was read reflect respond and so people were just filling in from those things and then then this year i just felt like god gave me this um this book greater i was it was july of, of 2021 and i just got up one morning and I felt like God's I was praying for some of the things that God that I've been praying for for the church some prayer requests I had some financial things some staffing issues and and as I was praying I felt the Holy Spirit say you know you know you could ask for more you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I just did that sounded really strange to me because I'm the kind of guy that I don't like to take advantage of God if I need 10 bucks I'm going to ask for 10 bucks I'm not going to ask for 100 um yeah. and and just to hear the Holy Spirit say you know you can ask for more and and I I, I, I tell you that it was a matter of two weeks I had sketched out the entire uh, book and had written half of it in two weeks and then it took me another month to finish the other part of the book so so, so how does that work how, how's that work do you do do you, uh do you discipline yourself all right today i'm going to spend two hours in writing tomorrow i'm going to spend two hours in writing or it's like i got this thing rolling now and i just gotta hunker down bar the doors i'm not doing anything else till i crank this thing out how's this work for you 
I wish I could do the second, the latter one, but <laughs> I also have to pastor. And, yeah, yeah uh, right. That's just and it. work. And, you know, and not only am I pastoring, but I'm a district director. And I mean, I have also all You're these busy. other. Yeah, there's a whole lot of things going on. So in order for me to write what I have done is I wake up at four o'clock every morning and I ride from about four to five thirty. And I simply get up, even if I am inspired or not, I get up and I write something. Sometimes it's two lines. Sometimes it's 10 pages. Um, and then when I'm done, I close it and go have my devotions. But from four to about five thirty, I, I get up with the, you know, after coffee, of course. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I set aside that time to write. I don't know that I write any other times because it's too busy or it's the distractions. The house is quiet at four in the morning and uh, I can, I, I find that it works best for me. You know, anytime I read anything by authors and they're asked this kind of question, they all give the same kind of answer as you. It, it, if you just wait until God dumps it all on you in one day, it's not going to happen. But if you make a commitment it's a grinding it out commitment. There's something uh -huh, God's in the grinding uh -huh. out part of it, isn't he? Yep. Yep. Well, like the first two weeks of greater was just inspired. I just wrote, it just came to me. It was like, God just did a, a download. The last the half of that was me grinding it out. <laughs> just writing and no, I don't like that. Let's change that. Mm, I'm stuck here. You know, so, yeah. And, and it doesn't mean God's not in that part of it. It just sometimes comes easier than other times. Mm -hmm. So what have you learned about yourself in the process as you've grown in this writing field? What have you learned about yourself? Um, I learned a couple of things. Again, from the perspective of personally, um, and you, you just kind of mentioned it, that, um, Sometimes it's just getting up and going through the motions and uh, I can't wait till I'm inspired. I just have to write and I have to discipline myself to do it. And then, which is the other thing is that, you know, I'm just going to say yes to doing these things. Even if I don't think uh, it's worthwhile or anything, I'm just going to say yes to doing them. And out of it, God somehow does something with my yes. Mm -hmm. because honestly, still, I will tell you, that's why Andrea's email to me. And even when you, you, you shared earlier today, you, you think it's good that when you say that, that, that comes as a surprise to me, you, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't expect that. I just, but somehow God takes the yes and did something with it. Mm -hmm. that, you know, that, that has blessed others. The, the, the last thing, and this was the most significant thing I've learned in this process for me, is that just put one foot in front of the other. There you go. You know, that honestly, I'm not concerned about this book being published as much as I'm concerned about saying yes to the next thing that God tells me to do. If he tells me to do it, then I'll do it. You know, I, 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 I let me just add real quick that, you know, after I called Andrea, I had arranged to have an editor edit the book. And I felt like the Holy Spirit, as I was in that process, say, 
it was going to take like six weeks before the editor could get to the book. Um, and in that space of time, again, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to send this to publishers. I want you to send this manuscript to publishers or send the proposal. And uh, everybody who tells me, everybody I talk to who's in the industry says, eh, you get used to disappointment. You're not going to hear anything from them. It's going to be very difficult True, But I just felt like, again, the issue was not whether I got published or not. The issue was saying yes to God. Mm -hmm. So I got up in, in July. I had my vacation every morning. Instead of writing, I got up and I would, it takes about an hour to create the proposal for each publishing company. And I would send it up. And, um, and I, so two weeks into me sending it out, I got a call back from a publishing company. Hey, we, um, this is the funny part. It's that, um, I read your proposal. The title of the book was boring at best. Your description is so, so not compelling. And we looked at your social media following and you have none. So I, I typed you back mom to the, then and say, I need to hear from you. So, <laughs> right? so I wrote back to the guy who sent it to me. Well, first of all, I'm amazed that he even would send it that I even got a response because everyone tells you not, not to expect a response. So I wrote back to the guy and go, well, why are you writing me just to insult me? <laughs> <laughs> You're just, just writing me to insult me because I get enough of that from my mom. You know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, and, um, and, and here's the interesting thing is that he says, uh, he says, I, I, I'll tell you why I wrote you back. I, um, I read your description. I read your biography and saw that you'd been a pastor for 30 years. I saw that you were an open Bible. He says, I know Jeff Farmer, who used to be the president of open Bible. <laughs> and he says, um, I also know that you are the son of a pastor. You've been in ministry for 30 years. You probably don't know how to write a good description for your book, but I have a funny feeling that it's very rich in material so i'm willing to take a chance and look at it i gotta tell you to me that was totally a god thing because oh, today where you hear that story yeah, anywhere true you know your book's boring your title's boring your description is nondescript at best <laughs> and you have no social media following but we're interested <laughs> take a shot here yeah all right you know now again i tell you all that to say that the lesson i learned is god has been teaching me forget about the finish line figure out what's in front of you in the moment and enjoy it. So this guy ends up, we've been working together for the last six months. And during the last six months, he's gone through some of the roughest periods of his life. And I have been able to minister to him. Forget about the book. Yeah. Yeah. We have been able to walk through a journey where I have prayed with him. Uh, he lives in Minnesota. I have, um, he was moving one day. I, um, I provided a meal for him. I called, I, I yelped, I, I called and had it delivered to his house. He called me. Thank you so much. You don't know what this means to me. You know, not because I'm trying to butter him up, but the fact mm -hmm. is there is this opportunity for ministry that was right in front of me. And this mm -hmm. is what God was teaching me. Open the door for you. Yes. Yeah. You had to walk so, through the door. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that's what I've been learning. And you probably weren't ready for this 10 years ago. I mean, you, you had the same gifts then, but, but there's a timing to all things, isn't there? 
I'm such a slow learner, though. I mean, it's just I'm a blockhead. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to guess there are probably lots of other blockheads listening today. <laughs> and I've got another one talking to you here now. So you've been talking about really you've been sharing about your journey and and how do you walk into new adventures? You know, uh, where do you go? How do you how do you find your way? And what would you tell someone listening today? It feels like God might be, you know, talking to them, nudging them, sending them in a new kind of adventure. What kind of encouragement or counsel would you give to them today, Gary? I, I would say a couple of things. One, I, I said it earlier that the safest place to be is in God's will. So. You know, uh, Henry Blackaby says, find out where God's at work and join him. You know, um, for me, I just want to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. If I do so, then I, I think that uh, I find myself uh, feeling in, energized, encouraged, excited about the future. Um, sure, I'm scared. Sure, there are things that are going to be different. Sure, there are things that be okay with people saying no. Because the, the, I wouldn't be so destination oriented anymore. I'm type A. It's about the, the, the destination. You know, I want to get to the end of the journey and God is saying, enjoy it. Enjoy there you it. Go. There you know, you go. Um, and the other yeah. thing I'd say is I, I really value wise counsel. So along the way, I have sought the counsel of people who I'm willing to hear what they have to tell me and not just ask them for advice and then discount it. You know, um, I, I, I've sought out people that I think are adept in the field that I'm in, that I need some counseling. I have sought out people who are trusted spiritual advisors who I know hear from God. And I've asked the questions and really submitted myself to hearing what they would have to say and carefully review and respond because God speaks through them. So, and, and he's used them as confirming voices, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. for me. So I guess those were the things I would encourage some, anybody. And if I would, if you do those things, man, I don't think that I could misstep. You know? mm, that's rich wisdom, Gary. Really appreciate that. And as you know, as we, as we bring this to a close today, uh, this Better Roads podcast, we talk about the various roads that we take in life. You've been talking about that here. As you look back on your life, thinking bigger than books now, thinking uh -huh. bigger than the pastorate where you're serving right now, thinking about the journey of Gary Kahn, man of God, husband, you know, father, that guy, as you look back over your life, of all the roads you've taken, taken some of them maybe great, some of them not so great, what would you say are probably some of the better roads you've chosen in terms of your ultimate destination? Hmm. Well, at 19, I said yes to become, to serve God with all of my heart as a full-time minister. My dad was a pastor in Open Bible in Trinidad. And, um, I never wanted to be a pastor. My dad always said, son, that's what God called you to. And you just need to embrace it. And I said, no. Um, but at 19, I finally just said yes to the Holy Spirit. And that was after I wrestled. I, I would say I was like Jacob, <laughs> just wrestled all night mm -hmm. with that until I finally just said, okay, God, you win. You win. Because for me, that meant 
that meant I was going to give up all the things I wanted in life, which is, I again, my dad's a pastor. He was a poor pastor, you know, um, and I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to have to worry about those kinds of things. And, and I have not had to worry about those things. I said yes to God and never had to worry about those things. Um, God provided every step along the way. And I think that I have experienced a deeper, richer, more diverse life than I ever would have experienced if I had gone down the original track that I wanted to go down pursuing just, you know, money and, you know, mm-hmm. the material things. Uh, the, the, the second major road well uh, uh, taken that was the, the better road was when I asked Elaine to marry me. Um, <laughs> yes. Definitely one of the best decisions of my life. Um, you know, our Bryant Mitchell and Lucille were good friends of ours um, when we were in college. They live right next to the college and we ended up, we would hang out with them a lot. And my wife would house sit for them. And uh, at one point, our Bryant said to Delane, he says, Delane, Listen, God put you two together. He's the rocket, but you're the navigation system. <laughs> and um, and it's always worked best for me when I've listened to that's the good. advice of my wife. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's probably one of those decisions made that that was definitely the better road. Um, saying yes to God to go to Desert Streams and staying and, and, and just loving the people here, that was always the better road for me. So um, just, I, again, those would be the major ones, you know, Great. that I look back on and think those were good. Those were good decisions. Uh, right. They've stood you well over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today to share with us out of your journey. We've learned a lot from you. I've been blessed today, the things I've learned from you. you. So thanks for joining us. And we thank all of you for joining us, our listeners on this Better Roads podcast. We look forward to having you join us again next time. You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.